another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Alright, Luke chapter 2 verse 41. If you get it, shout yes. You love God, say right on. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, Why have you treated us like this? You ever met a mother who's kind of ticked off with their kid? They have the ability to be angry and full of love all at the same time. Could never be for a man. We're just too simple. But, you know, it's like, you little punk. I love you, you know. She's doing it all at the same time. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Jesus said. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he, is say, what he was saying to them. You know, when you and I consider Joseph and Mary, have you ever paused to consider the steps that they took and the journey of their lives? Imagine what it must have been like for Mary. You find the guy of your dreams. You're in love with him. You're going to get married to him. Then suddenly a six-foot celestial being with clothes that gleam like lightning appears in your bedroom while you're holding your hairbrush and singing into it as you look into the mirror, the latest Katy Perry song. And in the middle of all that, the angel says, fear not, you are going to have a baby. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm 14, I'm engaged, I haven't done anything that would lead to a baby. And suddenly an angel is telling me that I'm going to have a baby. What on earth is going on? And I have good reason to be afraid. Then, then Joseph is going to break off the engagement because he's like, well, I didn't do this, so somebody did. And then the angel appears to him and says, your wife is with child because the seed that is in her came from the Holy Spirit straight into her womb. Do not break off the engagement. This is the Holy One of God. And then Mary and Joseph begin this incredible journey. I mean, they accepted Jesus. They accepted having this incredible responsibility, this stewardship. I mean, they go to Bethlehem because they have to give birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. The angels, God orchestrates this amazing event. Jesus is born in a manger. An angel warns them and they go down to Egypt. We don't have enough sermons, by the way, on the fact that Jesus spent few years of his life in Egypt. That's a great topic. We should break that apart someday. But then the Bible says that when Herod died, they came back to Israel. They have to go back home, set up a new business. Other brothers and sisters are born as Joseph and Mary begin to get busy. Joseph is working a business. They're looking after Jesus. They're entrusted with the Holy One of God. I mean, when you think about their amazing journey, this is a couple that have done a lot with their lives. They've had an amazing journey. They are busy in life. Does anybody around this room sometimes feel like you're just a little bit busy with life? Every parent said a hearty amen. 
People around this room haven't slept in since 1995. You know what I mean? You've been up every morning looking after those kids. There's the hooping cough, the breaking thing, the, you know, the next thing. There's the broken teeth when they fall off their bicycles. Whoops, that would be my daughter. You know, there's all the, all the when, when your mother's not around, and it's always my fault. But you know, when you're thinking about it, you know, there's always, there's always another thing and another pressure and something else. And, you know, another, another ferry, ride, I mean, a car ride to be done, you know, to get the kids to the next event. Maybe it's a high school student. You know, you're often neglected, but you've got pressures. You're thinking about acceptance, getting on with your peers, filling that hectic social calendar, climbing up the social strata, making sure that you pass all of those exams and tests and NCA. There are students in this room, university students, just arrived in Wellington, here to study, here to make your mark in the world. First time you've left your family to move to a new place. And the truth is that for many people, there are often in our moment, in our lives, moments where we reflect and we say, we have been on and we are part of one big journey in life. For anybody who's ever felt like your life is like that, this story is for you. Joseph and Mary, the Bible tells us at this moment in their lives, are taking another step in their journey. They're taking Jesus to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. They did this every year. It'd be like me driving to Rotorua. My mother is from Rotorua. We grew up in Auckland. And every school holidays, we would drive through the Mamaku Ranges from Auckland down over the Mamakus into Rotorua. The smell that greets me when I come into Rotorua is the smell of a holiday. It doesn't mean you can blow off in my car, but it does mean that the smell of that city for me just makes me immediately feel relaxed. It's amazing the association of smells, isn't it? So funny. But this is a journey they knew well, a journey that they were familiar with, a journey that they knew by rote. And the Bible tells us that they arrived in Jerusalem and they are there. The reason why they are there is for the Feast of Passover. I mean, it is a significant event that they have come to. It's a moment, an event that centers around worship. If there is one thing that defines God's people as God's people, it is our worship. When we worship God, it changes zero about Him. And God is not an egomaniac. He is not filled with pride. He is a loving God. So if He calls for our worship, if a theme of our lives as believers is that we are to be a worshiping community and God doesn't need our worship, then it must be us who need to worship Him. And whilst worship changes nothing about God, the great power of worship is what it does in us. Somebody say amen. I mean, man, you can come to a moment of worship and have frets and worries and fears and things that consume you. But the moment you step into God's presence, as Philippians 4 tells us, it's amazing what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I mean, you can be in the middle of some kind of great conflict, but when Jesus, when you worship Him, suddenly the situation doesn't get smaller, but God just got bigger. And worship helps us. Does anybody feel like that? This is why God calls for our worship. This is why the Christian calendar is punctuated with moments of worship. That's why I believe God's going to do something amazing in the lives of our woman at Passionate Conference in five weeks' time. And I'm sending my wife to it. Okay, she runs it. 
But I'm hoping she meets with Jesus because we need more women who are filled with God's presence. We need more men who are filled with God's presence. I'm so grateful what God's doing in our teenagers. But just remember, they just went to summer camp and they got their lives set on fire for Jesus. We need moments of worship. God calls for our worship. Joseph and Mary go to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. It's God's big excuse to get people to his house so they can have a moment when they worship him. The Bible tells us, Joseph and Mary, this couple who have been on this tremendous life journey, get to Jerusalem. I mean, for them, it's just one more step in what has been a journey of many, many great and costly steps. And here they are again doing another step in this journey. Jesus, age of 12, and Jewish culture, when a boy becomes a man, we've made it 21. We need to swap it back and expect more of our teenagers than we do right now. At the age of 12, they took him to Jerusalem, there for the Feast of Passover, an amazing moment. They go through what is supposed to be an incredible time of worship. And the Bible tells us that at the end of their time, that they go back home and nothing has changed in their life. In fact, things have not improved. Things have gotten worse. I mean, whenever you and I come to God and we meet with Him in worship, it's God's intention that that moment would change our lives, that we would take something from it. I preached a message a few years ago from an obscure verse in Ezekiel 47 that says, if you enter by the south gate, you must leave by the north gate. If you enter by the north gate, you must leave by the south gate, but you cannot leave by the same gate that you walked in. And I preached a message called, you can't leave the same way that you came in. And this law is about trying to teach us that when you come to meet with God, that if you meet with Him, then the moment changes you. And here we have Joseph and Mary coming to meet with God, coming to worship in the house of God. And when they leave, they've just been going through motions, through exercises. They're tired. They're worn out. Their journey has been expensive, costly, timely. And they leave the temple. And the Bible tells us that when they leave, not only do they not get something from their worship, but they leave something behind in their worship. They leave without Jesus. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? They get to the end of their time of worship and they leave and they travel on for an entire day. And at the end of that day, in a moment when I guess the hubbub of the day begins to take a little lull, when all the activity is replaced for some feeling of serenity, I mean, we, we can be tempted in our modern culture to squeeze out whatever moments of serenity are left at the end of our day just by filling what used to be that empty space with our televisions or our Facebook account or our Instagram feed that we just have to keep up to date on and all of this other stuff. But Joseph and Mary get to the end of a day and find themselves with a little bit of breathing room. We all need, by the way, a little bit of breathing room. And in this moment... They ask themselves, you know, Joseph flipping a few steaks on the barbecue, maybe lamb chops, festival of Passover, lamb, you'll get it later. <laughs> flipping a few lamb chops on the barbecue, Mary's putting the vegetables in the microwave, and you know, Joseph says, you know, hey Mary, where's Jesus? Mary looks at Joseph, she calls him Joey, so she says, hey Joe, well I don't know Joey, I thought you had the son of God. 
No, 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 Mary, you had the Son of God. I had James, I had the other kids, but you, you were supposed to look after the Son of God. And suddenly they begin to realize, you haven't got God, I haven't got God. Oh my God, we've lost God. I mean, they, are, they have been given by God the responsibility of raising His Son, and they just lost Him. You can imagine for them, this would have been a moment when they are just a little bit stressed out. But the truth is, my friends, that Joseph and Mary are a couple who have been on a journey, on a pathway for a long time. And here they are heading back to Nazareth, going to a place that they know well, coming from a place that they know well, looking at the destination that is in front of them and the pathway, the highway that they are on. And as they're walking, what they think is just one place to another place, they realize that on the journey of their lives, they have lost the very purpose for their lives. They were there to carry Jesus. And you know, church, the truth is that Joseph and Mary are not the only people ever to lose Jesus. I mean, they still believed in God. And there are times in our Christian life where even though we are still Christians in that truest sense of the word, believe in God and heaven is our home, there are moments when if we're real about it, if I can put it this way, we just lose Jesus. I mean, it's not like we've lost from Him, but His awareness, His proximity, His touch, the knowledge that Jesus is with us is something that is just, I don't know, it's just so easy to lose, isn't it? To wake up one day and realize that I I had that kid a little while ago. I'm sure he was there at lunch. No, hang on a minute. He wasn't there at lunch. I think I saw him at breakfast time. This is what Joseph and Mary are doing. And we go back through our lives and we say, when was the last time that I knew that Jesus was with me when I felt that he was close, when I knew that I had his presence. And Joseph and Mary find themselves in our passage of Scripture in a place that we can all too easy find ourselves in as well. And that is when we are on the journey towards our destination and we lose the way. This series of messages that we're in at the middle, uh, the middle of this month is called Hodos. It literally is taken from a, uh, a word in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And we hear a lot of stuff about the truth of Jesus, the truth that sets you free. You will know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I believe that with all my heart. John 10, 10, we've preached a thousand sermons on that. We know it, everybody's willing to put that one on their, their, you know, their fridge door. I have come that you may have life and have life in all the full. Don't see too many people with John 13, 33 on their fridge door. In this world you have tribulation, but we love John 10. Let's put that one on the fridge door. You know, and here we are. We know all about the truth of Jesus. We're all about the life of Jesus. But the amazing thing is Jesus begins this by saying, firstly, I am the way. I'm the way. The word way in the Greek means hodos. It's a word that means the highway, the pathway. And before Christians were ever called Christians, we were called people of the way. Meaning that in its its primal infancy, in the birth of the church, when we see what God wants you and I to be like, they described people who have the same faith that we have as people of the way. 
not the people of the way who are going just to Nazareth, but the people who are carrying with them a God that is present in their daily lives. See, the truth about Jesus is that firstly, He is the way and the journey towards the life God has for us the life, the way, the truth, the life, the journey towards the life God has for us begins when He becomes the way for us. When we begin to live our lives, not just, you know, with a a Sunday church involvement or even a, a symbolic devotion for 15 minutes in the morning, and I'm all for that, by the way, but what I'm saying is that Christianity is not just about what happens in the morning or in the evening and about what happens on a Sunday morning or evening. It is about every moment of every day carrying Jesus with us. He is the way. Our faith is about walking this life with Jesus. It is about carrying Him with us. I mean, obviously, we're not holding Him by the hand. When He's 12, He can hold His own hand. But it's not about that. But in our passage, it is. But in our lives, it is about living with His daily awareness, a reality. See, sometimes we are so fixated on the goal that we miss the God who is the journey. You know, the truth is that when you're walking with Jesus, the reality is that He is actually the way. We, we, we can often, I think, in our lives, because of our aspirational nature of our culture that just wants to always be about improvement, and I'm all about improvement. We should be getting better every day that we're on this planet. I'm not preaching against aspiration, but what I am saying is it can derail us from understanding that the true goal of our lives is to be more like Jesus. Yeah, it is worth clapping. The true goal of our lives is to be more like Jesus. That's what we're here for. In fact, many of the things that we are aspiring to stay here when we die. You got 80, 100 years at best. Oh, I saw someone in the paper the other day, 113 or something like that. But you haven't got long while you're on this planet, then it's eternity. And what God is working in us primarily is that we would know Him in a personal way, that we would walk with His presence. And what God wants you and I to be awakened to is the reality that in our lives, Jesus is the way. Our Christian life is about walking with a reality, a, a, an awareness that God is interested in the steps of my life, the journey of my life, the days of my life. Jesus, where are you? I want you to be the guide, the present one, the leader, the, I'm the follower. I mean, I think I know where I'm going, but Jesus, you are the way. Anyone got a cardigan or something on the front row? Anything like that? Just throw it up. Oh, look, you've got a blazer? Well, that'll do. Thank you, Emma. You're just a can-do person. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was baptized, that after his baptism, the, the Holy Spirit fell upon him in bodily form like a dove. I was meant to ask the guys to, to get me a, a white cloth, but we're going with the black one, okay? <laughs> Think black is a new white, all right? <laughs> the Scripture says it fell on him, listen, in bodily appearance like a dove, It never says that it left. I used to keep birds when we were in Auckland. It's amazing the things you learn about me in the middle of sermons, eh? And you know, there's a thing about birds is that they're very, very flighty. If you're going to walk with a bird on your shoulder, it's going to change the way you take your steps. 
He's the way. See, for Jesus, he carried the Holy Spirit. For us, we carry Jesus. But the thing is that for all of us, you know, we're talking about the Godhead, talking about the mysteries, but the lesson is that when you're walking with the dove, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father doing it. He's walking down, he's thinking, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to move too quick. Because if you run, <laughs> bird's gone. He's thinking about, What's this environment going to be like? This room I'm about to walk into, I walk in the wrong space. You know, scary environment, freaky music. Maybe it's a home full of bitterness, is our, our parallel. A life full with resentment. Or maybe it's just, you know, the wrong things that we're allowing to come before our eye gate. I don't know what it is. But the truth is that when you're carrying the dove, you're thinking about every environment you're walking into. And you're thinking not just about where am I going, but... How will it affect the way that I'm carrying? And we get into trouble in our lives when we make our lives about destinations and rather than making our lives about the way. And in our lives, the amazing thing is that not only is it not about destinations, it is about taking it to another level and say there is actually a way that is guiding us that even though we think we're taking a journey away from the destination, he is actually taking us on the only pathway there is towards the destination he has for us. Now we're thinking about living our lives totally differently. I've never had a problem giving to God. Never had a problem giving to God. I've always, from the day that I became a Christian at the age of 18, taken the first 10% of my gross salary and given it to my local church from the day that I was 18 through to the time now when I'm approaching 41. And I've never had a trouble doing it. But the reality is when you let the way impact the way you live your life, it changes things. Because now it's not about me and the destination I want. And then along the way, what does God want? It's actually different. What does God want? And then how do I, how do I navigate what God wants? And then, and then, well, where are my steps in the middle of all of this? But the way becomes before the destination. That's the difference between, thank you, Emma, the difference between the Christian life and the religious life. The Jesus life, the way, the way is about giving Jesus access to the way that we live our lives, the priorities of our lives, the steps of our lives. It is, it is not mistaking uh, the, this thing of saying, man, I'm all about getting somewhere. It actually becomes about pleasing someone. That's what it means to have Jesus at the way. And the thing about it is when Jesus becomes the way, then he begins to impact just the daily reality of our lives. As we've been consumed with this new phase of where Rise is going to in the next 10 years of our church's journey, I, I've, been, I've been quickened by this thought that for us to go where God wants us to go is not just about more people coming onto the staff of a church. It's about more people living the way that Jesus wants us to live. Opening up a home, sharing a meal, responding to a need on the side of the road, praying for a neighbor that doesn't know Jesus yet, encouraging a, a young teenager who has a dysfunctional family, having them around for lunch is just an amazing blessing. And it isn't just about the big destinations that we make it about. Serving Jesus is not about pulpits. In fact, Christianity is not fundamentally about what happens up here. It's fundamentally about a people 
of the way, being people who are following the way. And whether we're in our workplace, in our sporting arena, in our child's bedroom at two in the morning, we are living with a Jesus reality that is with us every moment of every day. That leads to acts of generosity, that leads to a witness for Christ, that leads to making an impact. We don't see any event of our lives as being something that we're in alone, but we are there with Jesus to have the impact He wants us to have. It's people of the way. This is what God wants for us in 2014, church, is to be a people who are experiencing our daily lives living out the kind of witness and the awareness of God that God wants us to have. Jilly and I were just in Auckland, and we, ha- we had a date day on Friday. We took the kids out of school. We took them with us to Auckland, and uh, we signed them in at the grandparents. You know, we flew them up to Auckland, dropped them off, and then we said, goodbye, and we took off. You know, before anybody could say, wait, we were gone, you know. And we took off for the day, and I took Jillian over to Takapuna, and it wasn't until we got there that I realized it was a beautiful Auckland day. It was about 26 degrees, and... Uh, not a breath of wind like we've got this morning here at Wellington. And I was uh, on Takapuna, and I was standing on the street, and I could see Takapuna Beach. And it wasn't until I stood there that I realized that literally, like about 50 meters from me, is a hall that I booked in February of 2002 to begin a church in, in February of 2003. And after I booked that hall, which is literally about 200 meters from Takapuna Beach, And if you know anything about the Camerons, you'd know that the beach is what we're all about. And after I booked that and thought my destination is to enjoy a life with this as my doorstep, the Lord interrupted my destination with His way. And I'm sure that I still would have had a congregation if I went to Takapuna. But by responding to the Lord, I think what God has done has been bigger than a person, an environment, a pulpit, or even just a congregation. It's been an impact and an inspiration and a breath of heaven that happens when we follow the way. And church, no matter who we are or where we're going, God is wanting all of us to live with that daily thought, where is Jesus? (laughs) I love this because... Joseph and Mary realized that something in their life has been lost. And I think if we're honest, probably we get a great show of hands that people in this room would say, man, there is something perhaps missing in my relationship with God too. And the Bible tells us that realizing that something is missing and they connect with God, that they begin to search for Him. There are three places that they search. And it's interesting to note where you and I begin to look for the things that are missing in our lives when we realize that they are missing. When we know that God's not quite there with us, when they feel that's a sense of disconnect between God and me, Jesus, I don't know. When was the last time Jesus was close to me? The last time I prayed and I knew that I was meeting with Him? When was the last time that I knew that God was there for sure? And Joseph and Mary, beginning their search, immediately do what we all do. They turned to their relatives and their friends. They turned to the people that were around them. They turned to a Sunday sermon. They turned to a podcast. They turned to the people in their world, hoping that people could fill the void that is in their lives and our search for Jesus will always come up null and void if we're expecting people to do what only God can do. 
I believe in corporate church. I believe that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. I also believe that if we put our trust just in what we get on a Sunday church experience, that we will never fill the void that can only be filled by having the dove on our shoulder, by having Jesus walking with us. He is the way for every one of us. They didn't find him there. And so the Bible says that then they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And Jerusalem being a picture of our religious life, a picture of, of, our, of, our, um, of, our, of our knowledge about this faith. Many people try and fill the void in their lives by just searching the Scriptures. I believe in searching the Scriptures. But Jesus said, you search the Scriptures because in them you think that you have life but you will not come to me. And I am the one who gives you life. And there is a difference between a head that has been educated about religious activity and a heart that has been changed by devotion to the God of our worship. There is a difference. And God calls to us for something deeper. And the longer they searched in Jerusalem, the longer their search came up null and void. And if there is something missing in our lives, we're never going to find it by just trying to educate ourselves, to protect ourselves from perhaps religious whatever that is out there. You've got to come to a point, we've got to come to a point, if we want Jesus in our lives, that we look for Him, not with open Bibles and just, you know, a, a, a defensive stance, but we find Jesus. Jesus on bended knees with hands that are lifted up. You only find Jesus in surrender. You only ever do. And the Bible tells us that they entered the temple. And when they entered the temple, this time it was different to the first time. The first time they came to the temple, they came the same way we often come in. Thoughts, pressures, lunch, supper, kids signing, stuff around us. Worries, preoccupations, notes on a cell phone that's also still a cell phone. Oh my gosh, my team just scored a goal. Click. Go City. What was John saying? This time, where is Jesus? See, my desire for us, church, in the series called Hadas would be that if we can understand that Jesus is the way and just simply just focus our lives on the fact that we need Him with us. We need Him to flow through us. Then I think things could be different. And they walk into this temple this third time. And Mary says, Son... Where have you been? I mean, can you contrast her, her, her perplexion, her like, what, are you, why, what's, what is this? With Jesus' astonishment that it took them so long to find him. They're like, where have you been? <laughs> Three days. I mean, you know, I've lost a child for maybe 10 minutes, and I'm telling you what, I'm ready to call 111, you know? Like, it's going down, get out of my way. You know, when the early days have arised, sometimes I'd lose kids at church, you know. People were like trying to tell me about something. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you know, I care about your marriage, but not right now. You know, like, you're just, you're just all about that kid, right? You'll, you'll walk on things. You'll, you'll break glass to fix them, you know. You're just like, where are they? Three days? Can you imagine it? Three days? 
Hello. I mean, by now your imagination has spun off in 47 different directions. You've got every bad scenario being played out in every different direction. And you walk into church and there's your kid. And Mary's like, where have you been? Why, were you, why would you do this to us? Why would you do this? And Jesus just says, well, I, don't, I don't understand. Didn't you know? Didn't you know where I was? Didn't you know that I'm always, always available, but you've just got to come to, you've got to come to me. I'm the way. You're following your own destination and thought that I would just be with you. It doesn't work like that. I trump the road. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the way. Lord, I thought you'd get my back. I thought you were always there. What? Hang on a minute. I am always there. The question is not whether I'm there. The question is where are you? And if this series could be about something simple in our lives, I believe just God wants it to be about us returning to Him, you know? Can we sing that chorus? Um, I'm sure we can because you guys can do basically anything. Can we sing uh, I'm Coming Back to the Heart of Worship? Just the chorus? Of course they can. But I'd love us just to stand our feet this morning and just for a couple of minutes, rather than giving an altar call or a response, maybe we could just, we could just walk back into this temple one more time. You see what I'm saying today? We could just walk back into the temple just one more time. With our phones down, kids are safe, I promise you. Just take a minute, just, just two minutes, all of us, and just walk back into that temple again with an awareness that Jesus is actually right here, wants to meet with us. And when we capture him, everything changes. Come on, why don't you lift your hands this morning? If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.